You are listening to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 13. Today we're talking to St. Stephen St. Agnes head coach Tim Dodds. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast. Today I'm talking to Tim Dodds. He's the new head coach at St. Stephen St. Agnes in Alexandria, Virginia. Now, Dodds was named, has been the assistant coach at St. Stephen's since 2011, and he was chosen after a nationwide search to be the next head coach of the Saints after former coach Andy Teibel moved to Central Virginia and stepped down at the end of the 2016 season. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. I decided to switch things up just a little bit. Dodds and I are going to talk about what he learned during the application process, what it was that made him unique among the other candidates, and we even kind of talk about what his morning routine is. Uh, we also are going to talk about the best advice he's ever received, which if you haven't listened to the end of any of the podcasts, this is the one to listen to the end because he gives a great piece of advice. And of course, we cover uh, some of the teams to beat in the IAC for the 2017 season. So today was one of my favorite conversations we've had so far, so please give it a listen. And now that the season has started, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lax Records and on Facebook at facebook.com slash laxrecords. And I'll have all the links to all my social media accounts in the show notes and on laxrecords.com. So on to the show. Talk a little bit about what that process was like. You know, I, I caught, caught, talked to Coach Teibel. Um, actually, before, it, I don't think it was actually announced. Like, I just kind of happened to find it. Like, the, the job was posted on the St. Stephen St. Agnes website. And it was one of those things, like, I guess I didn't believe it initially because, you know, obviously he had been there for so long and been so successful. I was mm-hmm. like, you'd be sure, mm-hmm. you know, they're, mm-hmm. no, they're not getting rid of him. I was like, and he's too young to retire. It was just one of those things. So I'd emailed him and I kind of kept it quiet for, as you know, for a few weeks because for me, I'm like, I didn't want to make, you know, I didn't know if the team knew. I was like, well, it's posted, but you just never know. Um, so what was mm-hmm. the process of mm-hmm. applying for that job? Like, because I'm sure you, you knew early on. So did you know immediately that you wanted to apply? Yeah, so, and I would tell you that on behalf of the school, it really wasn't intentional to kind of keep it under wraps. So you've certainly done your research. Uh, you know, it's when Andy had uh, first entertained the idea of leaving, it was something that we all um, took very seriously. I mean, he, he's essentially an institution at this school, and as far as coaching goes, I can't find anyone who, um, you know, is better at the job and somebody to have learned from. So when he had told me that he was going to be stepping down at the end of this year, um, this past season, I had, you know, immediately had entertained the notion of applying because, uh, you know, I've come to learn the culture of our school and our program. Um, I know him personally very well. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. And I wanted to make sure that whoever he was handing over the reins to, it was going to be in good hands uh, because he worked tirelessly to build this. And, you know, he's had the support of the school for so long and, and he's given just about, you know, everything short of, you know, his own family to to ensure that the program is in the best possible shape it could be. So the the school did a very, very thoughtful job in um, in this in kind of undertaking this process. We saw a host of different candidates and I wanted to be a part of that interview process as well, you know, interviewing the guys who were coming in um, just to learn a little bit more about them. And it was an invaluable experience, you know, for me because it, it allowed me to shape my own answers to some of the questions that we were asking. Um, but it also allowed me to kind of expose myself to different types of coaching styles, different personality types, um, and to also kind of see what the future of the program was going to be in those hands. And so um, we brought a lot of high-profile candidates in, uh, very top-notch guys, to be perfectly honest. And I think that the school, at the end of the day, wanted to try to keep it internal if they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, this is something that the school was very intentional about and very deliberate about. 
um, I had told them that I, you know, I know that whoever's going to be stepping into these shoes, um, they're going to be incredibly big shoes to fill. And so it needs to be somebody who either knows our system very well um, or B, is going to be having an immediate impact if the culture itself is going to change. Um, and so, you know, as the process unfolded and I had interviewed relatively early on for it, um, you know, the I would say that the school, generally speaking, and the powers that be had articulated to me, rightfully so, that, you know, we're going to take a look at everybody before we make any kind of decisions, which I, I think was the right call. Right. Now, had you ever applied for a head coaching job before? Or was this your first? Uh, I had not. So I had also entertained the idea of coaching elsewhere um, for that past season. Um, and I had talked to a few different schools in other areas of the country just because I didn't know if I was going to be mobile or not. And so um, uh, St. Stephen's and St. Agnes has been a wonderful home to me, and it was someplace that I've always wanted to stay. Um, and so as I was kind of deciding this next chapter, the fact that Andy was leaving and um, this position was opening up was something obviously that struck a chord with me. Um, and so as far as coaching goes, I got this job um, immediately coming out of college. I graduated from Wesleyan, one of those little NESCAC schools mm -hmm. um, back in 2011. And so I started out as, you know, a middle school and, and JV level coach. And ever since then, I think the responsibilities have increased kind of in an incremental basis. And so every year I've been tasked with doing more. And then I, I started working as the OC for the varsity team uh, over the past three seasons. And, um, you know, I couldn't have learned from better coaches um, and been with a more supportive school. So I think that as this new chapter has kind of unfolded and I've stepped into, you know, these shoes, um, you know, I've learned from the best. And so to, to a degree, uh, you know, I'm a firm proponent of it. If any broke, don't fix it. And so it, you know, the system itself works very, very well, but it's a testament really to the school and to the people who have come before me to build it. So, um, you know, it, it success kind of breeds itself. And at this point, I'm not going to say it wouldn't matter who stepped in, but um, it, it's we we've boiled this down to a rocket science. And so I've been fortunate enough to see it for a long enough time to kind of know how things run and how things work well. So so what's been the difference between previous years where you may have been the offensive coordinator and uh, now that you're the head coach? Uh, I, I mean, the biggest difference, and I think that any other head coach would attest to it, um, I'm finding out very quickly that 99% of this is managing. Um, you know, managing personality types, managing uh, parents' expectations, managing players' expectations and goals, you know, practice planning, transportation, scheduling, uh, college recruiting, obviously, it, recruiting players to come to us. It's, um, it, it's a job in and of itself, and Andy did a masterful job at, at making it look easy. Um, it is, it's very exhausting work, but it's just as rewarding. So to me, it's understanding the fact that very little of this has to do with actual coaching. But that being said, um, you know, I've been in this, in, in this run for a long enough time that I'm ready for that. I'm, I'm ready for that X's and O's piece. Um, we've been chomping at the bit to get going here with our boys and over the next couple of weeks, the anticip the, the anticipation is only going to continue building. So, um, while I'm looking forward to continuing, you know, to manage, which has been the biggest, I think, jump from being an assistant coach to a head coach. Um, you know, we're really looking forward to just kind of breaking it down and, and getting on the field with them. Yeah. As I say, that, that list of duties, it almost made me tired <laughs> just hearing you list them. I'm like, that's a lot. You have to <laughs> <find> part yet. <laughs> well, it's, it, look, it's, it's trial by fire. You're either going to sink or you're going to swim. And so, uh, you know, in all honesty, it's a pressure laden scenario, but I wouldn't want to learn any other way. So, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it's been a lot of work, but I've really relished the experience. Um, and I think that everybody at our school and our families, uh, you know, they've, they've shown me 
a tremendous level of support and kind of taking this new this new challenge on. So um, I would not I would not uh, suggest to say that I've gone this alone. I think there have been a lot of people in my camp and a lot of people who have been fighting with me. So yeah, yeah, and obviously St. Steve, because you guys have a tremendous athletic program there. I mean, obviously Kathy Jenkins over on the women's girl side is mm-hmm. all time. She's one of the, I think she's all time winning as coach now. Um, and obviously been there is, yeah. and you know they got success and I know we, we talked your hockey team is very competitive you know I'm not don't keep up with a, a lot of the other sports but I think the football teams had moderate levels of success I mean you guys just have a good athletic program so I would say that's one of the things that are, I'm sure you guys all take pride in fantastic because I've been to St. Stephen several times and the campus is gorgeous um, it is it's 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 a great school and what I you know what I think that a lot of people tend to lose sight of when it comes to us in particular, and I'm a teacher first. I mean, we have scholar athletes here. We have teacher coaches. So there's a marketable difference between, you know, a place like this and some others that a lot of our students have the options of attending. And so, um, you know, it's it's a brand in and of itself, not just regards to the athletic component, but, you know, we we raise the holistic learner. And it, it really is a college preparatory atmosphere. These kids are doing more in sixth grade, which is what I teach, uh, than I did as a, you know, a junior in high school so it's it's unbelievable what we're asking them to do <laughs> um so going back to the application process a little bit what what was some some things you learned um during the application process um i, I learned that um there are a lot of moving pieces to a school um and that the lacrosse program is just one piece of it um as far as um you know, hearing questions come from different people at the school, whether it's school administrators or whether it's other coaches or whether it's the athletic directors. Um, there are a lot of people who have eyes on our program um, all the time. And it's not something I didn't recognize earlier, but it's something that really didn't sink in to the full degree until I was having all of those conversations. There are a lot of people who um, look to us for success and they look to our boys on campus as leaders and they look to us um as far as you know marketing and branding for the school too it's um there's a lot riding on our team and not just the wins and losses component but how we carry ourselves um in the locker room and so the questions i was getting asked were very insightful um i would say that the people who were asking me questions were not really asking them based on a lacrosse context no one was asking me about you know, offensive or defensive sets, what I would do in the riding or clearing game, what type of tempo I would, I would try to push. It was all along the lines of, you know, how are you going to bring about a positive change for these boys' lives? What type of ethic are you going to set? You know, are there going to be any differences from what Coach Tybel did? Um, and so I, I think that the questions themselves were very intriguing, and it, it allowed me to learn a lot more um, about the people at our school as well and, and what they're looking for. Okay. Um, so obviously anybody who's been on a, a job job interview before has probably been either asked this question or, you know, usually brings to the table. What, what did you feel that you brought to the team or the school that was unique that kind of set you apart from maybe other applicants? Uh, so I would, I would say it's pretty rare to find somebody in this world who's smart enough to know what they don't know. Uh, and I am going to be the first person to suggest that there's a lot out there that I don't know. Um, one thing that I do know, however, and one thing that I'm confident in um, is that I work harder than everybody else. Um, it's not um, that I'm the most talented because I know I'm very far from it. Um, but when people meet me, at least I, I'd like to think that I bring a level of authenticity that they know that they're going to get a hundred percent out of me, no matter what, um, type of setting I'm in and no matter what the ultimate goal is, 
Uh, I'm very much someone who lives by an example of giving their absolute and unconditional utmost. Mm -hmm. um, I think if if you're able to if you're able to try to generate the same type of inspiration in the young men that you coach, you know, all of whom are more talented than I was as a player, then you're in a good position. And it's it's a matter of um, understanding that education, uh, coaching in particular, especially at this level, it's all about relationships. Um, you could be the most knowledgeable person in this entire game, but if you don't know how to relate to and to get the most out of um, a high school-aged athlete, then you're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so to a certain degree, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that I'm able to be personable enough that I can relate to these kids um, individually, uh, you know, in our locker room and to have conversations with each one of them one-on-one -on -one that makes them feel valued and meaningful and inspired to, to work to, you know, their utmost degree, but then collectively in the locker room to understand the dynamic um, and be able to push them when I need to, to be able to get them, you know, on their heels a little bit when I need to, to humble them when I need to, to make them work harder when I need to. And so um, everything in this entire sport and in sports, I would just say generally, it, it's entirely predicated on relationships, um, trusting relationships and generating buy-in. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my history at this school has allowed me um, and afforded me the opportunity that the guys that we interviewed didn't have. Uh, I've had time with our kids and I know, you know, what they're like and I know, you know, how Andy tapped into uh, the potential that we had here and I thought he did a great job at it. And so um, I think to a certain degree, I, I've been fortunate enough to see that um, and to tap into it. And so I, I would say that that's pretty much what I bring to the table. Um, yeah, I would I would say as far as anything different from Coach Tybal, I know I referenced it earlier. I'm, I'm a firm proponent of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and there are certainly going to be some things about the program going forward that are going to be different. But um, he and the young men that he coached um, before the ones that are currently there, um, they worked tirelessly to to create an, an ethos of success and, and hard work that I think has, has resonated um, in players that we currently have too. So, um, you know, my hats go off to them. Yeah. What, what do you think will be different? I mentioned some things may be different. What will be different? Um, I think one thing that I bring to the table uh, that I, I wouldn't say is necessarily different. I would say it's augmented. Um, it's a blue collar mentality. Uh, you know, I, I am a product of the public school system. I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Uh, I would say played at a low level of high school lacrosse. And um, I think that one thing um, I want our, our boys to kind of take away as far as the life lessons from our sport goes and from their time within our four walls goes is that they always have the ability to control how hard they work. And so I want to bring a type of tenacity and grit to the game that just shows the teams that we're squaring off against when we go toe to toe, you know, I'm bringing everything that I have and whether we win or lose, um, you're going to be walking off the field at the end of the game thinking, thank goodness we don't have to play them again. And so that's, you know, that's the type of mentality I want to bring to our boys and I want them to be hard nosed and I want them to, you know, get their hands dirty and I want them to scrap and I want them to battle and I want them to fight. I think that we've uh, exhibited that in the past, um, but I think it's been a little bit more polished and I want to get us back to just very much, uh, you know, a style of gritty play that we're going to be able to grind games out when we need to and we're going to be able to compete with anybody in the country. Okay. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to a small public school called Great Valley. Uh, it's on the main line. It plays against the schools like Radnor and Conestoga, the ones that are, yep. you know, more summarily kind of highlighted in, in the regional rankings. 
Um, and so, you know, when I grew up, the, the team was just kind of summarily beaten down by some of those teams. By the time I left, they were in a better position. Um, you know, Tom Slate, who uh, coached at the Downingtown East uh, High School, um, went on to coach in the MLL as well. So, there, I mean, there's good lacrosse there, certainly, and you still see schools like Garnet Valley in the area and Avon Grove still kind of popping up in the rankings. Um, but Gray Valley was never really mentioned among any of those uh, types of schools. So, you know, we were exposed to good lacrosse, but we didn't necessarily play it back when I was growing up. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a solid program for sure out of that area. Um, so, well, you know, we, you kind of touched on a little bit, but what are your, what have been your feelings so far replacing a successful coach like Coach Tybel? Um, I was actually, I'm interested to hear you say replace because I, I look at it um, in a little bit of a different light as far as kind of the wording goes. I, I don't think you could replace anyone like Coach Tybel. I think he, you know, when, when he left, they broke the mold. He is um, far and away um, one of the best coaches in the country. And I think the people who are close enough to him that have worked with him long enough would also attest to that. Um, what I told our boys um, when he had said he was stepping down, because it certainly was a shock to everybody, because, again, he had been there for so long and had seen such wild success and, you know, really relates to our kids. You know, what I had said was our program is, is much more than one person. Mm -hmm. And it, it, this is exactly why we, we have built our program to be this way, that no matter what happens, you know, we are a family at the end of the day, and it doesn't come down to any one number of individuals. It comes down to everybody. Um, it's, it's much bigger than one person. And so I wouldn't consider it replacing at all. Um, I would certainly consider it just building off of um, – you know, the foundation that he has so adamantly and so wonderfully set. Um, I, I think it's a continuation. And I think that's probably what any head coach that maybe moves on, um, any successful and good head coach would hope. It's like, you don't want it to, to be replacement. It's like, all right, I set the building blocks in place now. Move, take it, you know, build upon that. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, so and Andy and, and Andy is humble. He's a humble enough guy to, to never say that. He's never going to give himself credit. And that's another reason why he's, you know, he's so admirable and someone, you know, more people should emulate myself included. Um, but, uh, as far as replacing, I, I don't think, you, I don't think you do that at all. Um, and the same thing goes with, you know, the, the seniors that we graduated, we lost one of the more decorated classes and one of the most memorable classes in our, our program's history. And, you know, there were 16 guys in that class that had left, and I said the same thing to them. It doesn't matter whether it's one coach or whether it's 16 seniors. We're still here, and, um, you know, we're much stronger than any one particular year uh, success or fail, and we're, you know, much stronger than one person, even though he's the head of the ship. Uh, it, it's just a new time. Kind of, right. We've kind of danced around it a little bit, but we've obviously, uh, obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, you guys play in the IAC. It's the same conference with uh, Georgetown Prep. Landon, obviously, Bullis won it last year. Um, so, needless to say, year in, year out, it's always a battle to uh, to compete in and out of that conference. So, from from your perspective, looking at it, and we'll, we'll take Saint Stephen, Saint Agnes out of the out of the uh, equation at this point, just so you can kind of <laughs> uh, catch you off the hook a little bit. Outside of Saint yeah. Stephen, Saint Agnes, who do you see as kind of the teams that teams to beat for this year? I think this one's a little obvious, but I like to ask anyway. I, uh, I mean, clearly you want redemption for Bullis last season. Uh, and, you know, they're doing a great job with that program over there. Landon um, is absolutely stacked this year as well. Uh, Coach Bordley does a fantastic job over there. And, and their attack unit is looking phenomenal. 
Um, there's a lot of firepower in this league. And uh, in all honesty, I, I kind of relate this to my own experience as a college player playing in the NESCAC. It's a conference where any team could beat any other team on any given day. And that's what makes it you know, exhausting, but it's what makes it fun and exciting at the same time. So I do think that there are a, a lot of surprises in this league. And um, as far as the teams to beat, I mean, I want to prepare our team for every game like it's the only one that matters because at you know at the time it is and so when you only get to play each team one time and then you know you just kind of see where the cards stack up for playoffs yeah um you know you, you need to make sure that every opportunity is taken uh to the fullest extent uh, you know i think the landons and the bullises of the world are going to be very good i think coach Eric over at prep is going to do a phenomenal job with him and i think it's only a matter of time before you know they ascend even higher than they have historically and um, I just think the whole conference has gotten more competitive. Um, I think, you know, Coach Highland over at Albans, um, you know, also has some tricks up his sleeve. So as far as the new coaches coming in, I mean, this this year is going to be um, this year is going to be an interesting one. I think that, you know, there are favorites, but I, I certainly don't think you can count any team out. And that's what makes, again, this this league such a fun one to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, from the from the outsider perspective, obviously I've I've covered you know the the area for a very long time, I I think five six years now, um, and obviously you know with you guys in prep both having new head coaches this year, that's a little bit that's a dynamic you don't usually see at the conference. The conference has been fairly stable over the last few years, um, right? You know, for as long as I've covered it, so it's kind of interesting. Like oh, you know, all the you know two of the teams that are always almost always in the top five have new head coaches. So it's kind of that, you know, is it, you know, is it a year for maybe St. Albans or someone like that to maybe step in and, you know, maybe have still a little bit of thunder this year. So from, from an outsider perspective, it's always fun for me, you know, just to kind of see how Mm -hmm. things play out. I'm sure it's probably a little bit less for the uh, players, coaches, and parents. It's a little more, it's a little more stress inducing. I can tell you that much. Yeah, exactly. Like I get to sit back and just kind of look at the scores and be like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's not quite the same for everybody else that has a little bit more, mm-hmm. more skin in the game. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. exactly. So just to kind of finish up, I had just a, a few rapid fire questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, successful leaders usually have, uh, have a morning routine. What's yours? Uh, I have, I have a few different ones. I mean, I, I got a puppy in August, so, uh, he keeps me humble. It gets me up at, you know, 5.30 AM every day, uh, whether I like it or not. So take him out for a walk and feed him. Uh, I also, uh, in the past have done some triathlons and marathons. So I'll typically get up and do some type of run or lift. Um, and then I always have to stop at Dunkin' Donuts. The, the mantra that everybody runs on Dunkin' is complete falsity. Uh, if Dunkin' runs on my business. So I, I stop there every morning and have a conversation with, uh, Kathy and Candy, who are, you know, my two girls across the corner. So uh, I got to make sure I got got to get my medium iced coffee. It doesn't matter what temperature it is outside. <laughs> what what kind of puppy did you get? Oh, I, I ended up getting a mix. He's as dumb as a stick, and I love him. It's uh, He's a he's a pit, and I think I want to say Mastiff, but I change the breed every time. I have no earthly idea. Yeah. Um, but he's a, he's a really, really good dog. Yeah, I got. I have. A, I have a dog, and I'm also a runner. I do marathons, so it's like you know, your your schedule is similar to mine. I I try to, if if uh, I don't think I run on Duncan, I think I probably run for Duncan. Like you know, I, <laughs> there you go. Or be like, I can have a donut if I do six miles today. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Everybody needs that little incentive, right? Exactly. Uh, all right. Um. So, what is the best piece of advice you've received uh, over the course of your life? Can be at any point. Doesn't have to be That's, athletic. Uh... That's that's a loaded question. I um, I would like to think that I've adopted some of my kind of my fortune cookie isms um, that I coach with from my dad. Uh, 
I, I think among the many things that he and my, my mother taught me, um, I mean, they, they, they grew up with absolutely nothing, not even two nickels to rub together and somehow managed to kind of catch lightning in a bottle. And there was one day I remember in particular, my dad telling me, uh, and this was back in college when I was, when I was competing, um, he had ended up, we were driving down, I think the Jersey turnpike and he ended up, you know, very blankly staring through, uh, the front windshield and he had said, there are two kinds of disappointment in this world. And I'll, I'll list them off for you. He basically said there are two kinds of disappointment. There's disappointment in outcomes. And then there's another kind of disappointment. Disappointment in outcomes, um, everybody has to deal with at some point in time. And you have control over your reactions to that disappointment. The, the other kind of disappointment is, is self-disappointment. And that is the one type of disappointment you can never get over. And so if you ever have to experience one of the two, just make sure that it's disappointment and outcomes and not self-disappointment. And, uh, you know, in a roundabout way, um, you know, he, he, he was basically expressing the fact that you need to do everything with a full heart and with a head full of steam and making sure that you don't have any regrets at the end of the day as far as your effort goes. And so I try to live by that, um, whether it's coaching or teaching or, you know, being a dog owner, uh, being a Dunkin' Donuts lover, you know, you just you have to be 100 percent in on everything you do. That is a fantastic piece of advice. Um, so kind of the, the final question was what, and you may have already answered one of them, but um, you know, what two things do you attribute your success to thus far? Um, success, success is an interesting term too. I, uh, you know, I, that's a little bit of a load. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, that's a loaded term. Cause I, I, to be perfectly honest, um, I have a very maddening view of the world, which is you can always do more. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it's exhausting for, you know, the co my coaches that have to put up with me and, and that being my mentality. It's exhausting for my players having that be my mentality, but that's just kind of the way that I'm hardwired. Um, I would say if I, if I were to be successful at anything, you've got to attribute it to two things. And one is humility. Um, you've got to accept at the end of the day that there's always a better way of doing things and you could have done more and that you're not necessarily the best and there's always room for improvement. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing um, I would say is the fact that the job itself is, is never done. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily matter to me how successful or how much of a failure you are at the end of the day. Um, there's always that next shot, that next shot. And so when it comes to a season, whether you win every game, lose every game, uh, and until it becomes the last actual game of the season, you have another opportunity to learn from prior experiences and, you know, to set the stage um, in the present. And so, you know, trying to, to have a long-term view um, to some degree over a season, but in a very short-term um, frame of mind, every single game, that's the only game that we are focused on. And every quarter for that matter, that's the only quarter we're focused on. And, just making sure that you're doing the simple things right when you're when you're focusing in that time frame. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think um, kind of along that line, I, I I always attribute this quote to Peyton Manning. I don't actually know if he originated or if he co-opted it. And at this point in time, it could have been someone else, and I just attributed it to him for whatever reason. But um, one of the things I I think believe I heard him say at one point is like you know, I you know even if uh, I I I might be number one, but I always train like I'm number two. All right. Actually, That's exactly I, like, it. to be number. Exactly one, it. Like I'm number two. And I think that's kind of like a similar mentality as far as like, you know, if you never think you're 
successful or on top and you always train, you work hard, then, you know, that's kind of how you get to be successful. You just I think successful people don't really think that they've been successful because they they're always grinding. You're always trying. You're yep. not resting on your laurels. And I think that's that I think that's the mark of, a, of someone who is successful because they're not willing to just be like, oh, I did it. I'm done. I'm sure mm-hmm. Brady's exactly. It's it. Tom Brady's not. It, it's it, off. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to be it's got to be absolutely uncompromising. If, yeah. Truly. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a hardwired thing. Yeah. You're mentioning Tom Brady. I mean, I've never seen a game like that in my entire life. And I I walked out at the end of the day not wanting the Pats to win, but being happy that they did because they're just winners. They just know how to win. And so, <laughs> if you've got that kind of mentality, you know, you're setting the stage for for some great days. And I'm hoping that we can do that here. Yeah, you you become hated by being successful. It's always the irony. No, no, no one. You know, I'm sure the Pats was probably everybody's pick back in 15 years ago when Brady took over, and now everybody just wants to see him. I'm a Redskins fan, so I have no skin in that game. So, but it was. Oh God, help you! God help you! I'm a yeah. Eagles fan myself, so I I I don't even have a soul anymore. <laughs> yeah, it does feel that way at times, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. The NFC East, we used to be so great. Now we're just clinging to. The, I feel like I'm clinging to the past at some points. So. Yeah, I, I just, I just get my, I just get my heart summarily beaten on every year. So I'm, you know, I'm over it at this point. I say the same thing every year. I'm over it, and then I get back into it. So we'll see. I always find, they always find a way to suck you back in at some point. You know, it's just you know, yep. you've got a good quarterback. You know, it's always one that's like, ah, oh, you no, know, future is bright. It's always next year. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. All right. Well, Coach Tim Dodds, I appreciate you you taking time out of your schedule. I know you probably got a dog to walk. Of us, those puppies, they don't have large bladders, so they need to be walked off. And so I can let you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Coach. You have a good one. You too.